Thank you, Brother Star. Let's worship the Lord tonight. Father, we come to you tonight. How great and magnificent you are. From the rising of the sun to going down to the same, your name shall be praised. We've come tonight to praise you, God. We've come tonight, God, to feel after you. We've come tonight, God, to experience you in a great measure. Hallelujah. We seek you, Lord. We seek you, Lord. We seek you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Like all of you this morning, I was awakened at about 5.30. Thought I was home for a few seconds. Got out and looked out the window to make sure I wasn't. And I thought, well, that's that's just part of life, I guess. But I want to say that I appreciate all of you young people and last night how you began to get a hold of the Lord and begin to talk to the Lord. And I want to commend you. It was so beautiful seeing you in the altar as you begin to talk to the Lord and dedicate your life to God. And then I want to say to all the adults, I appreciate you as you came and you begin to pray with them. That meant so much. You were putting in the pot. Thank you. Amen. It's good to see a good friend of mine, Brother Swank, here tonight. Go way back. Good to see him tonight in the house of the Lord. And good to feel the touch of the Lord. You are blessed with wonderful leadership in this district. Amen. Brother and Sister Star have been so hospitable to me and so kind. And then, of course, Brother Handsome has been him and his wife the same way. This youth board has been so friendly and open. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord this evening to the book of Job. Going to read some very familiar scripture. The first chapter of the book of Job. The first verse. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now let's skip to the sixth verse. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou? 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? The second chapter now, the first verse. Again there came a day, a second day, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none, none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although Thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Now, there are some things that I would like to bring out to your attention tonight out of our text. We have just looked into the spirit world and I want to build upon that tonight that first of all there is a spirit world there's no doubt in my mind this world is comprised or composed of two different teams of beings that are battling in one arena. Of course, we know that the forces of good, we know that that is God, His angels that are with Him. And the forces of evil that are there is the devil and the fallen angels, spirits, imps, demons, whatever you want to call them, they are there. Now, this evening I'm going to make some reference. I will make a reference to hell. When I say the word of hell, I'm not talking about the lake of fire. Because the devil doesn't live in the lake of fire yet yet in fact he doesn't even want to go there 
But this evening when I speak of hell, I am talking of that place, the location in the underworld where Satan lives. He contemplates, he dreams, he plots. It's the place where his headquarters is at where he has his operation that is extremely organized it is his throne his headquarters and so when i speak of hell i'm talking about the place that he's at and so tonight i want to preach on this subject Things that hell hates. Things that hell hates. God bless you. You may be seated. It's extremely interesting for all of us that are here tonight to understand that we are in the arena of the, the location in which God and the devil are warring. And it is as if there are two different captains that sit on the opposite side of the chessboard. And they are there and they are scheming and working and trying with everything within them to get the other one in a corner. They want to dethrone each other. They want to there take away the position as being a king. And so it is that on the chessboard of life, we see and we understand that there are many individuals that are there. There are the masses of humanity that are represented by the pawns. And so they are there and they are attacking one another. I believe that hell hates the church. And I believe the church hates hell. Amen. I believe that we that are here tonight, there's something within our bosom. It is not enough for us just, friend, to dislike hell. There's something in us that says we've got a hatred for sin. We hate what sin does to the lives of men and women. We hate how it destroys. We hate the confusion that hell brings to families. We hate the, the confusion that it brings to the young minds of the teenagers of this world. We hate everything that hell represents. Amen. And let me tell you, hell hates everything that church represents. Hell hates, friend, this group of people that are here, here tonight. Hell hates the young people that are in this building tonight. Hell hates them when they begin to worship God. Hell hates the church when the church begins to pray. Hell hates the church when the church begins to, to, to soul win. Hell friend, hates the church with everything within her. 
you must understand tonight that there's not a lot of love that is lost between heaven and hell. They're not bed partners. They're not even kissing cousins. Uh-uh. They don't have anything in common. Yes, they smile at one another. They literally look uh, across and see one another. They are aware that there are angels that are here tonight. And yet at the same time, heaven understands that there's demons here tonight also. And so it is, even though we cannot see them tonight, they are here. They are hating the preached Word of God. They are hating uh, the songs that are going on. But every time there's a young person that begins to worship God on one side, friend, of the spirit world, heaven begins to rejoice when all of a sudden there's an old sinner that comes down and receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. All of heaven begins to rejoice. The angels begin to dance and heaven becomes happy. And yet, I believe that there's some things that hell hates more than other things. I believe that hell has some degrees of hatred if you could measure them. And one of the things that hell hates that's in the quiver of the church, that is an arrow that can literally pierce there all the way down to the throne room of hell, is this one thing called prayer. Let me tell you, when young people can learn how to pray, it literally causes the devil to run. Hell hates it when men and women begin to pray. Hell hates it when teenagers begin to have a devotion. Hell hates it when hot tears stain your cheeks and intercession comes. Hell hates the church when she begins to pray. Hell hates prayer. Hell hates everything that prayer does. Hell understands that prayer has the ability to move mountains. Hell understands that when the church begins to pray, that the very gates of hell cannot stand against the church. I want you to know it's time we had a revival of prayer in our youth groups. We need praying teenagers. We need praying parents. We need praying churches. We don't need empty prayer rooms. We don't need empty prayer rooms. We don't need teenagers that listen to the rock music more than they get down and pray. We don't need kids that are more interested in pizza than getting a hold of God. We need people that love to talk to God. Get a hold of God. We need prayer warriors.
We need young men that knows, hallelujah, how to pray more than they know how to play. We need young men, oh yes, that they know how to get a hold of God more than they know how to score a bucket or throw a winning touchdown or hit a home run. We need young people that are not afraid to come early to church and get a hold of God. We need young people that are not afraid to pray at the lunchroom at school. We need young people that are not afraid to have a consecration to God. Hell hates prayer, but I love to pray. Hell hates prayer, so I love to pray. Hell hates it, but I love to get all the God. Because I know that hell hates prayer, I'm going to pray for the brag more than I've ever prayed. Because I know hell hates prayer, I'm going to get alone with God. I'm going to get alone with God because I hate hell. Hear me seated. I've got no desire to sit back and pastor a church that doesn't know how to pray. Oh, no. I've got a prayer team at home right now tonight. That at 8.30 tonight, they went to prayer for this service. They do it every time I'm gone preaching. That when I step in the pulpit, there's a group of people that are praying for me. They're praying right now. They're getting a hold of God. They're praying for young people here. They're praying for moms and dads here. Because they realize that when people begin to pray, something begins to happen. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. I'm telling you, the devil hates prayer. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. He hates prayer meetings. I love prayer meetings. He hates all night seasons of prayer. Let me tell you, we still have all night prayer meeting at our church because we understand that what the hell hates it. He hates, oh yeah, he hates it when someone gets in a depth in God that there's groanings that cannot be uttered. He would rather have you try to patty cake your way into heaven by just quoting a few little Our Fathers and Hail Marys. But I'm here to tell you, the church of the living God, it's not dead, but it's alive. It's someone, it's a thing, it's an organism that knows how to get all of God. It's not empty prayers. It's powerful prayers that moves heaven. Let me tell you, prayer does things that would blow your mind. Prayer does things that friend and works when you don't even realize it.
Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Oh, Peter was in, in the prison. And when he was in the prison, Brother Hanson, he was there and noticed his condition. He was asleep. He was asleep. To be asleep means you're unconscious of what's going on around you. When you're asleep and you're a dad, you don't hear those babies crying at night. Uh uh-uh. uh. When you're asleep, you're unconscious of what's going on. One brother told me, yeah, he said, you know what? I woke up this morning when I felt the earthquake. He said, but there's some other, there are some boys, some youth that came to our church to this convention. He said, they didn't stir at all. He said, and finally at 8 o'clock when they woke up, I told them that we had had an earthquake. They didn't believe until they literally, friend, had it verified by someone else. Why? Because they were asleep. You don't know what's going on when you're asleep. He was unconscious. He was there asleep. There was a squadron of soldiers round about him. There were chains upon his arms, and there were shackles upon his feet. But let me tell you, he there in the church was over at John Mark's house, and they were getting a hold of God, and they were having a prayer meeting. Let me tell you, all of a sudden, an angel came down, touched Peter on the shoulder, woke him up, the chains fell off, the shackles fell down, and the gates began to open up at his command. How did that happen? It happened because the church was praying. Let me tell you, those kids at school don't have to know that you're praying for them. That won't stop God from moving. Your mom and dad doesn't have to know that you're praying for them. Your unsaved husband doesn't have to know that you're praying for them. But even though you get all of God, God's going to send an angel down. God's going to talk to their heart. God's going to loosen the chains. God's going to do it. We get intimidated. We think that unless they know we're praying, that nothing will happen. I'm here to tell you, friend, that's not right. All you got to understand is this, that when you get down and you begin to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that something's going to happen. You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Oh, let me tell you, you just got to get all of God. You can have revival. Your youth group can grow. There can be an apostolic move of God, but you got to pray. Yeah. Hell hates prayer. Hell hates it. But I love it. And because hell hates it, brother. <laughs> I'm going to do it the more. Because hell hates it. I'm going to get hold of God. Because I know that it frustrates hell. It gets hell upset. Let me tell you. Every year our church goes on a seven-day 
fasting and prayer. And then, as a church body, we all go. Let me tell you what happens when you start fasting and praying. You know what happens? My wife told me, why are we going to fast and pray? I said, because, you know, we're, 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 we're warring against Satan. She says, you know what, though? Every time we have one of these prayer and fastings, you know what happens. Oh, yeah, I know. All hell breaks loose. Oh, yeah. This problem pops up. This sin is exposed. This event happens. Someone's discouraged. And sometimes as a pastor, you think, forget it. There's no she doing that, brother. Just kind of coast a little while and rest. But let me tell you, friend, when the church begins to pray and fast, let me tell you what will happen. The devil will start moving. But what do you do? You just resist him and he'll flee from you. You just keep on praying. You just keep on fasting. You just keep on believing. He can't stand it. Now let me tell you about another thing that hell hates. Not only does hell hate prayer, but let me tell you, hell hates the blood. <laughs> yeah. Hell does not want one young person here to understand and to remember that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse you from all sin. Hell does not want one saint of God, one child of God, to understand that when you ask the Lord to forgive you, that His blood washes an evil conscience. He wants to bind you with condemnation. He wants to bind you with an attitude and a feeling that your sin is final. There's no way you can ever be forgiven. There's no way that you can ever be changed. Your sin is always before you. Your sin is always there. But church, I want you to know there is the blood of Calvary that can reach down, can wash you, can cleanse you, and can convict you. The devil does not want you to know that there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. The blood will convict you. The Word will convict you. Prayer will convict you. What will it do? It will cause you to look at yourself. But it will always leave you with something very special. It will leave you with hope. Condemnation will never leave you with hope. It is a feeling that you're on death row. There's no way out. You've always got to be literally the spiritual, immature individual that's up and down, in and out, riding a spiritual roller coaster. But I'm here to tell you, the blood is still real. The blood still is alive. You don't have to worry, young person. You can still ask the blood to come down tonight and to cleanse you. Hell wants the blood out of the songbook. Hell says, 
It's too gory. Give me preachers that don't preach about Calvary. Give me preachers that are going to preach social issues. Give me preachers that are going to talk about politics. Oh, yes. Give me preachers that are interested in that. And hell deceives individuals to there they think that they don't have to tell people about Calvary. I want you to know there's some skeletons in every one of our closets. If you could know the skeletons in my closet, I would be totally ashamed uh, for you to see them. But there's one thing that I've learned. If I confess my sins, He's faithful and He's just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all right unrighteousness the devil brings out those skeletons he says there's no way that you can get all of God but all of a sudden I call him the blood and the blood comes down it revitalizes me it strengthens me it gives me hope it tells me to get up and all of a sudden I say rejoice not against me oh my enemy when I fall I shall arise when I sin darkness the Lord will be my light. The devil tells you it's always going to be dark in your life. But God gives you hope. He gives you a light. He says there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's my blood. It's my blood. It's my blood. Hell hates the blood. Hell eats the blood, but I love the blood. Blood, 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 blood. I love the blood. I love to sing about the blood. I love to preach about the blood. I love to call upon the blood. I love the blood. Yes, I like to sing about. Have you been washed in the blood? I love to sing about that what? Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. <laughs> well, thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Devil, you hate it. You hate it, devil. But I love it. You hate it, devil. But I love it. You hate it, devil. But I love it. Thank God for the blood. Hell doesn't want you to know, young person, that there's victory tonight because of the blood. Hell doesn't want you to run the aisle. Hell doesn't want you to worship. Hell doesn't want you to know there's freedom because of the blood. Hell doesn't want the druggie to know you can be set free by the blood. Hell doesn't want the alcoholic to know you can be set free by the blood. Hell doesn't want anyone to know that the blood cleanses. Hell hates it. I love it. Let's praise the Lord. Let's thank you for His blood right now. Clap your hands to Him right now.
Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. It's never lost its power. It reaches from the highest mountain. It goes to the lowest valley. It's there when I'm low. It picks me up. I love it. You can be seated. There's another thing that hell hates that I love. There's another item that's in the quiver. Let me tell you what it is. Hell hates the Word of God. Hell hates Bible quizzing. <laughs> because hell understands how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hell hates the word. Hell doesn't like Bible quizzing. Hell doesn't want you, Brother Sirstead, to be and to promote Bible quizzing. Hell doesn't want it, Brother Brown. But let me tell you, young person, you better learn how to love the Word of God. You better learn how to love the Bible. You need to be just excited about Bible study on Wednesday or Thursday night as you are on Sunday night hoop and holler. Yeah. The devil, he wants you to keep the Word literally just an object sitting around the house collecting dust. He hates the Word. Because he knows that people's emotions are easily controlled by circumstances. He knows if all of a sudden you walk out of here tonight, Brother Star. And there's all of your tires slashed. He knows what he can make you feel like. He can cause some anger coming to you. He can cause you to say, My goodness, God! I'm in there trying to see people saved and sanctified and encouraged. And you can't even keep an angel out here watching over my car. The devil understands that human beings are controlled by circumstances. He knows that often our faith is based upon what I feel. He makes young people especially prone to think that if I don't Feel God, God's not there. He'll make it that when you wake up in the morning, 
that your alarm didn't go off and you're late for work. He'll make it that all of a sudden your child is up all night sick with a tummy ache and there you are having to go to work the next day. Oh, yes, he's got power with sickness. Oh, yes, he's got little demons that go around that cause gossip sessions to go on that you feel like you want to quit. Oh, yes, he knows how to bring this little imp up, the little lion imp, to all of a sudden cause someone to lie about you and cause you to feel like nobody cares. I'm just going to have to go and die. And I'm just going to have to sit down and eat worms till I die. Poor old me. He knows how to make, uh, yes, your gas bill be a little bit higher than you were expecting. He knows how to make the washing machine all of a sudden break down about the same time that the refrigerator does. He knows how to make it that all of a sudden there are some problems that are happening because he wants to control circumstances because when he controls circumstances, he controls emotions and when you are walking by emotions you will be up and you will be down if all of a sudden you walked out of here and you found a lot of money with about the ten one hundred dollar bills laying beside your car you would say my that was a great service tonight wasn't it you would say, that's the best youth convention I've ever been at. Because why? You found a thousand dollars. But if you walk out of here and you fall and trip and break your ankle, you're going to say, oh goodness, that was the worst one we've ever had. Because he knows how to control you. But you've got to somehow get in the arena of faith where you get a hold of the Word. Because he understands that the Word has never lost its power forever, O oh Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but thy word shall not. He doesn't like the word. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want you to like preaching. Oh, yeah. He says, preaching is foolishness. Some short, fat guy up there sweating, perspiring, excuse me. Yeah. Yelling and screaming. Oh, that's weird. He doesn't want you to know Acts 2.38. He doesn't want you to know Acts 4.12. Uh-uh. He wants you to know Madonna's latest hit. Oh, yeah. He wants you to be able to quote the words of Whitney Houston's latest one. He wants you to be able to know the latest song of Mr. Brooks. Oh, yeah. 
He wants you to be able. You can rattle that off. That's so easy. He loves it when you start singing. And, uh, and he loves it when you hum the words. And you never miss a syllable. You know every verb of that rock song. He loves it because he knows that he's keeping you away from the thing that'll never fail you. That old rock song, it'll end up as being something empty. Oh, yes. He would rather have you reading your books on romance. He would, you know, whatever his name is, Fleegian or Flavio or whatever the guy's name is, on the front of it, all mod and, and there with his chest sticking out. He would rather have you cracking those things than reading the Word of God. But because I know that he hates the Word of God, I'm going to have me a devotion every day. I'm going to give this book out. I'm going to learn to quote it. I'm going to learn to quote it. I'm going to learn to get all of it. I'm going to learn to let it be the thing that is my victory. Yeah, he wants people to think that the priest is the only one that can read the Bible and understand it. Oh, yeah. He wants you uh, to think, friend, that what? It, it, it has no power. Let me tell you, I'm here to uh, instruct you this one thing, young person. When Jesus was in the moment of temptation, notice what he used to fight the devil with. He quoted scripture back to him three times. And that's the time that the devil had to leave him. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to be able to resist the devil is you're going to have something to stand with. You're going to have something that's a sword in your hand. You're going to have to have something that you can go to. He hates the Word because he knows the Word tells what his end is. He hates it because he knows that the Word will give you endurance when your strength is gone. He hates it because he knows that the Word will always prevail against him. He hates it, but I love it. I love it. Preach it to me. Teach it to me. Give it to me. Motivate me to get in Bible cruising. But I gotta have it. Hell knows. The word has been magnified above the name. Hell knows that that word is something that will break every situation into hell understands how this one thing thy word is like a hammer yeah it breaketh the rock in pieces every hard heart is broken before the word of God and so he doesn't want the word to go forth but I made my mind I'm going to preach it like never before because it will break the hard hearts it will soften them it will call the shell to be broken that the seed of the word of God can come through and lives can be changed Yeah, he hates the word. But let me tell you, not only does he hate prayer, and not only does he hate, literally, friend, the word, and not only does he hate those items, 
He hates this. He hates the name. He hates the name. Let me tell you, he does not want you to know about the name of Jesus. Amen. He doesn't want at all, literally, anything or anybody to know about the word and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to deceive people to think that literally they can be baptized in a title and that they are saved. He, friend, doesn't want you to know about the name of the Lord. Because when you say the name of Jesus, He starts shaking. He starts trembling. He starts all of a sudden. He starts running. He doesn't want you to know, young person, that you can stand up to Him and say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. He's got to leave when you call up the name. He doesn't want you to know the importance of the name of Jesus. He doesn't want you to know that it means Jehovah has become salvation. He doesn't want you to know it. But I love the name. I love the name of Jesus. He doesn't want you to know that neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know that. But I'm going to tell him. I'm going to call up the name that saved me, that redeemed me, that washed me. Jesus! 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 I love it! I love it! I love it! I love it. He hates it. I love it. He hates it. The church loves it. The true church loves the name of the Lord. They're not afraid to be called Jesus' name. They're not afraid because they want to be identified with Him. He doesn't want you to know about the name of the Lord. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because every time you say the name of Jesus, it reminds him of the one that went down to the grave, that took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. It reminds him of the one that defeated him. So I'm going to remind him, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You hate the devil, but I love it. You hated hell, but I love it. I was baptized in that name. That name reminds him of who gave him a black eye. That name reminds him of who bloodied his nose. That name reminds him who fattened his lip. And when you say it, and when you teach it, 
And when you preach it, He'll do anything to stop it. You can be seated. I need a chair. Let us start bringing a chair and sit right there. You just sit down in it. Let me tell you. The next thing that he hates is this. He hates praise. Go to Psalms for me. Get in the mic, brother. 149. I want you to understand that one of the things that hell hates is praise. Let me tell you, young people, something. Don't ever be ashamed to praise God and worship God. Let me tell you, the fans of the Blazers praise their God. Yeah. They hoop and they holler. They stand in their chairs and they go dress crazy. And yes, to be there in the stands and when all of a sudden, oh Clyde, all of a sudden glides and jams it. All of a sudden, friend, they begin to shake and they begin to get excited and slap one another five. Oh yeah. Just let, oh, Ainge, get a little excited out there. Uh Yeah, he's now on the suns, but he used to be on the trailblazers. Yeah? What is it? Duckworth, is it? No, he wasn't on him. He's still on him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a character. Let me tell you. But when all of a sudden he finally gets on, you know, when he finally gets on, yeah, and everything is going, and everything's moving, they're up there, and they're going, shut me five, yeah, whoa, come on, get going, yeah, boy, they're up there, stand up. They're a-bumping, they're a-grinding, they're a-doing everything they can, because they're excited, because that the Portland Trailblazers have just won the division. But I'm here to tell you, if they can shout, and they can scream, and they can be that way, I can do it for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's all right to scream at a rock concert, but it's not all right to scream in a church. It's a lie from hell. Hell doesn't want you to use your emotions for God. Because hell hates praise, I'm going to praise God. Because hell hates praise, I'm going to dance together with my brother. Because hell hates praise, I'm going to leap for joy. Because hell hates praise, I'm going to magnify the Lord. Oh yeah! Hell hates it, but heaven loves it! that are not afraid to praise God. 
Why does he hate? Why does the devil? Why does hell hate praise? Because he wants it. He's got a big ego. But I'm never going to give him my praise. I'm never going to give him my praise. I'm not going to praise Michael Jackson. I'm not going to praise some rock musician. I'm not going to praise friend, anyone but the Lord. He'll intimidate you, young person. Yeah, he'll intimidate you. All of a sudden, you'll get this, the right girl walks in. The right lady comes in the church. And you were juking in and driving just a few minutes ago. But when you looked out your corner of your eye, you seen that woman. And when you did, you got a little intimidated. And you started fixing your hair. You started all of a sudden straightening up. And there you put your hands by your sides. Let me tell you, we need some young men in this building. Oh yeah, you can go to the hoop with all the drive you got. You can go out for that pass and extend as far as you can. You'll give everything to beat it down the line, running to first base to finally wound your way to get to home. You'll eat the dirt to be able to make that touchdown. But I'm here to tell you, we need some young men that are not afraid to exert themselves in the house of God. They're not afraid to mess their hair up. They're not afraid to get beside themselves. They're not afraid to worship the Lord with all of their strength, with all their might, with all their heart. We need some men that are not afraid to praise God. Come on, young men. Come on. You can worship God. You can praise God. Don't worry. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Hell hates it, but heaven loves it. you to praise God because he understands that God inhabits the praises of his people and when you begin to praise God he's got to leave he's got to flee he's got to run because he knows that gets God's attention You know how to get God's attention? I'll tell you. Put your attention on God. When you put your attention on God, <laughs> when you begin to praise Him and magnify Him, He hears a cry. 
He comes down. He blesses you. He refreshes you. He strengthens you. You can be seated. Let me tell you. Brother Hassan. Hassan. Handsome. Handsome. Okay. Read for me, brother. I want you to start. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let the saints... Be joyful in glory. Go ahead. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Hallelujah. Let the high praises of the Lord be in their mouth. Let the high praises of the Lord be where? Be in their mouth. Put praise in your mouth. Put praise in your mouth. Let it be there. When you enter into the courts, enter in with praise and thanksgiving. Enter in. Let it be there in your mouth. Don't let murmuring, complaining, gossip, negative talk. No. Get positive. Let praise be in your mouth. Go ahead. And a two-edged sword in their hand. And a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance upon the heathen. To execute what? Vengeance. Vengeance upon the heathen. Go ahead. And punishments upon the people. And punishments upon the people. Go ahead. To bind their kings with chains. To bind their kings with chains. Yes. Go ahead. And their nobles with fetters of iron. And their nobles with fetters of iron. Look what he says. He says that when you begin literally to praise God, what you do is you begin to bind the king of the heathen. Who are the heathen? They're the ungodly. They're the ungodly. Those that are without the cross of Christ. The ungodly. He says, when you bind, when you praise God, you bind the king of the ungodly. Who's the king of the ungodly? It's the devil himself. It's Satan himself. When you begin to praise God, he can't get loose. He can't get loose. You've got him. You've got him. You've bound him. You've got all of him. He's defeated. He can't work. What's the next verse? To execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all his saints. Let me tell you. The God has given to the church the honor of executing vengeance upon the head of the devil. He wants worship and God says, I'm going to let you dance on his head a little bit. Because when you begin to worship God, all of a sudden, you're dancing on the devil's head. He stops his ears. He hates it because he wants that. God's given you an honor. It's an honor. It's an honor. God says, I could do it. 
I can execute vengeance. But I want to give it to my people because they've been harassed by him too long. They've been beat up by him too long. And it's now time for us to make him the punching bag. It's time for us to begin to work him over. It's time for us to slap him up. It's time for us to defeat him. It's my honor. It's my privilege. If it's my privilege, then why shouldn't I take it? Why should I need to live beneath it? Because hell hates it, I'm going to do it. Because hell hates it, I'm going to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord. You're King of kings. You're Lord of lords. You're Alpha and Omega. You're beginning and ending. You're the first to last. You're my healer. You're my deliverer. You're my savior. You're the almighty. You're the everlasting father. Thank you, brother. Get a notepad. Get a notepad out. You can be seated. Now, I want to ask a question. If hell hates all these things, and I'm the arch enemy of hell, you know, I've only got so many units of energy in my body. And so, I want to do the thing that hell is going to hate the most. You brethren, I want you to take this side right here. You two brethren, you take the middle. With the starboard badge, you take that middle there. Now, brother, you're going to be the scorekeeper. Brother, come right up there. You stand there. You stand here, brother, right there. Now, we're going to find out what hell hates the most. And I'm going to give you each one a vote. And you can tell us. And then we're going to find out if you're right. Because I want to do the thing that hell's going to hate the most. Okay. You ready? Okay. You're going to count their hands. You're going to write it down. We're going to tabulate it. Okay. How many think he hates prayer the most? Raise your hand real quick. Hurry up, gentlemen. Prayer. Count them all real quick. Go as fast as you can. There you go. Call it out when you get it. Prayer. Oh, prayer. That's a good one. <laughs> prayer. What do you got? Just, what is it? 22. What do you got? 20. What do you got over there, brother? What do you got? What do you got? 50. Okay. What do we got so far then? 92. No, 92. Okay. Here we go. Now, how about the name? Ooh, that is a good one. Ooh, some of you are having second thoughts, aren't you? Ooh, the name. Hurry up, gentlemen. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them there. Keep them there. The name. Ooh, dude, that's a good one. I know he's not. He doesn't like that one. <laughs> 
Pete Bell. Fifteen. Fifteen. Good. What do you got over there, Brother Star? Twenty-eight. What do you got over here, brethren? Forty-six. Eighty-nine. Okay. Ninety-two to eighty-nine. Ooh, it's close. Okay, let's see what's next. Yeah. How about the word? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're, now, don't you vote twice. God's seeing everything now. <laughs> Hurry up. Okay. What do you got there, Brother Star? Fourteen. What do you got there, Brother? Twenty-four. What do you got over there, Brother? Twenty-seven. Okay. Fifty-one. Okay. Now, let's see. We've said prayer. We've said the word. We need the name. We've got left uh, the blood. Ooh, good, good. How about those that are for the blood? That's an awesome one. That's an awesome one. Okay, keep it up real quick. What do you got, brother? What do you got? Five. Eight. How many, brother? How many? How many? Twenty-five. Only thirty-eight for the blood? Oh, my. Ooh, that's powerful. That, that blood's powerful, folks. Okay, how about praise? Ooh. Some of you are voting twice. I know you are. Praise. Praise. Thirty-one. What, what do you think, brother? Thirty. What did they got? What? How many? Thirty. Ninety-one. So... Ninety-one was praise. Ninety-two was prayer. was prayer. Praise was second. Name was eighty-nine. Name was eighty-nine. The word was fifty-one, and the blood thirty-eight. Okay, you're all wrong. You can be seated, gentlemen. Give me the next five minutes. Everything that I've preached to you has been an introduction for this one thing. This is the greatest need of the hour and this is the reason and the thing that hell hates more than anything. In our text, we read and we saw a glimpse into heaven. There are few times in the word of the Lord that there are glimpses into heaven. We see God and we see Satan. Notice Satan how he's described. He's walking back and forth to and fro. There is frustration in him. Frustration is within him. You sense it as you begin to read. And he says, uh, yes, the Lord says, 
have, what are you doing? He said, I've been going to and fro in the earth. What is he doing? He's seeking devour. What is he wanting to do? He's wanting to destroy, but he's frustrated. And what gets his goat? What gets his gizzard? What destroys him? What makes him mad? What was it? It was a righteous man. A righteous living individual frustrates him more than anything else. You say, but what about all those other things? Oh yes, they're great. But you must understand this one thing. The blood was powerful. But let me tell you, the blood of bullocks and goats and righteous blood could not at all cover sin. But it took what? A righteous, unspotted lamb that was separated from the beginning of the world. It was His blood that gave blood power. Yeah, praise is powerful. But Paul said, I wish you would enter in with what? Holy hands. The problem is there's too many people come and juke and shout and run and go out and live like a devil. The problem is too many teenagers come and ramp and shout and go out and park, go out and make out, pet, end up getting pregnant, end up with our life gone. The devil doesn't care how much you shout. The devil doesn't care how much you run if you don't live the life. You don't have any power in your worship. It's empty. It's empty. It's nothing unless you're living the life and you come in with holy hands lifted up to God and a holy heart. Yeah. What about the Word? What was the How did we even get the Word? It was because holy men of old were moved on by the Spirit of God. The Word is powerful, but it would not be here today if it wasn't for righteous living people. What about prayer? What about prayer? It's the textual fervent. Of what? The righteous man that availeth much. You say the name. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Look in the book of Acts. They came and they had the name. And when they did, there were some men that came and literally they tried to cast them out. And they looked at them, and they said, yeah, we've got the name. And they said, Paul, we know. Yeah, but who are you? Your life is not righteous. And the Bible said the devil stripped them naked and run. Because why? It's righteous living people that when they call the name of Jesus, it has power. Let me inform you little teenagers something tonight. Let me under tell you and you get it in your crawl and you get it way down deep. You are a weak whip to hell. 
if you do not live right, walk right, talk right. If you can't get something in you that says, hey, I'm not going to be like the world. I'm not going to dress like the world. It's young ladies that don't put scissors to their hair that gives power in their prayers. It's young men that aren't going to the ball game that gets power in their praise. receives honor in our world. It's the George Washingtons who do what? Cannot tell a lie. It is the Abraham Lincolns who will walk for miles to return a book and to give a lady a few cents. But in our generation today, we are living in a time when no longer is integrity and character the item that we measure men by. And our society has been warped that all of a sudden we have elected officials that they, friend, live unholy lives. We have gays, homosexuals in all areas. We have fornicators and adulterers. And we say that's the way to go. Don't let that attitude get in the church. That can't be in the church of the living God. No, it's got to be righteous living. Righteous living. It's young ladies that keep the mascara out of their eyes. It's young ladies that keep the rouge off their cheeks. It's young men that say, I want to be so close to God. I don't care that they're ter- telling some smutty joke at school. I want to be righteous because I want power with God. I don't want to see a generation of young people grow up under my ministry. That all I did was to preach to them to get them excited. If I would have stopped before I got this last point, you would have went home and said, Wow, that was so great, Brother Wilmer. I shouted tonight. We had good church. But let me tell you, I refuse to let my ego or what anybody else says, I refuse to let that keep me from speaking truth and preaching what this church needs for this hour. I'm glad you shouted. I believe in it. But what I believe in more than shouting, I believe in consecration. I believe in dedication. I believe in young people keeping themselves separate, keeping themselves holy. I believe in joining men and women in marriage, and both of them are virgins. I believe in young men keeping themselves, just like the young ladies got to keep themselves. I believe in Pentecostal young people that are holy and clean and pure. What good is a church? What good is a youth convention? What good is a youth group if there's sin? What good is their praise? It's empty. I don't care how much Bible quiz you can quote the word. It's empty. 
And if you get quick, get out of quizzing, and you go out, and you find your girlfriend, and you start making out. It's not done you one day. What good is it? Yeah. In this day and time, the devil is lullabying our world to sleep with a lack of morality. And we think we're going to be all right. We're more concerned about economic prosperity than morality. We're more concerned about preaching to get a response. For you to say, wow, Brother Will was really, I like you. Boy, is it a great preacher. We're more concerned about that than we are saying, God, I'm right. We've got to be righteous. Oh, God, give us a revival of righteous living. Give us a revival, God, of holy living. Give us a revival, God, of young people, God. They want to be separate. They want to be dedicated. Because when they're dedicated and separated, sanctified, that's when they're powerful. That's when the devil's frustrated.